All right, welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Season 2, Episode 22. We've discovered here that we have uh, found ourselves quite the uh, the conversation-stimulating topic. Um, after my brief monologue in the beginning, uh, you know, Eric, uh, I think I think if I've ever seen Eric uh, moving toward the edge of his seat and toward me across the table, it's this is the most I've ever seen it. Oh, so, uh, so sorry. no, it was, it was great. Um, I would. Uh, yeah, we I would, I would highly little, recommend you tune in for this whole thing. Almost got into a theological throwdown. Yeah. Uh, universalism and Calvinism and how they're either the same or not. Yeah, and that's when Eric's body was halfway suspended across the table. But <laughs> anyway, enjoy the enjoy the enjoy the conversation. Eric, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm just waiting for you to learn how to use your Mac so that we can actually yeah. do this thing. I don't know how to use technology in general it's so you're gonna be waiting a long time but it's not one of your expertise no it's not that's fine yeah and so you've got um here we are this you know we're at faith over breakfast you've got a solo cup of coffee about three feet from you yeah it's not even a cup of coffee it's got a it's a ginger tea ginger tea good i i had a cup of coffee before i came and i just scarfed down a little homemade breakfast burrito right i had a egg cheese and cheddar Egg cheddar bacon, yeah, bagel with yeah somebody this morning. So this is faith after breakfast. This is faith after breakfast. But oh well. Um, So okay. So here's the question. So have you have you ever listened to someone speak or preach and thought I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something I'm not comfortable with here. Um, well, to say no to that would probably be a lie. So yes, I'm not thinking of one off the top of my head, but I definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just had you listen to a sermon and it was, it was one of two that I heard by, um, by a lady named Danielle Strickland. Okay. So this is a female pastor. So just let's just start there. You Uh, were listening to a woman. Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know what she's doing now. So she was a major in the Salvation Army. Right. And so this is this is all I'm I didn't give you backstory because I didn't I didn't want to. Right. OK. Um, but so and I, I worked in the Salvation Army for a bit. So I'm well, I've got a slight familiarity. Yeah. So uh, I heard her speak in Phoenix. I went to uh, the Alpha Conference, which was a conference on evangelism. Yes. I went to only two sessions because I was up there for a wedding, but this conference was going on. Never heard of her before. Um, the person who spoke before that was a guy from the Barna Group, uh, was talking about evangelism and, and stats and everything was, that was great. I thought that was very helpful. Um, I mean, it was just information but it was very enlightening information very good and then um and then daniel strickland uh was talking actually was it after him yeah it was after him and she's a great speaker she's very good um very engaging um yeah and it was uh yeah everything was i was just like wow yeah i've never i don't never heard of this person 
Uh, and then there was, there's this one moment in the speech where I just, my, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, but that, you know, somebody could take that to mean one thing and somebody could take that to mean another thing. And I, and I had the distinct impression that it was very intentional. Um, and it, and it kind of, it kind of colored the whole thing for me. Actually, I kind of drove away thinking about it. It's like, interesting. And it's a feeling I've, I felt like I should have had in the past. Okay. So there, um, there are, I mean, I would say, especially I was really into Rob Bell and me too. Yeah. And I think it was something that like other people pointed out to me about Rob Bell that I was like, no, 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 no. You know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's just kind of, I guess I would have said like, he's just jumping on the other end of the teeter totter. Like he's because everybody is talking salvation by grace. Um, everybody's doing that. So he's not doing that. He's talking about all the things we don't talk about. Um, and I don't know. And I think, I think looking back, I go, ah, maybe I, I should have paid a little more attention to what he didn't say or the nuance of what he said. Okay. And I'm wondering, I, I think I had the, the little radar went up with this lady when I listened to her in Phoenix. And then that, that sermon was posted on her uh, missions member page because uh, a group from our church is in InterVarsity and went to Urbana and that was her speaking at Urbana. Right. And about the holiness of God. Yeah. And the holiness of Jesus. Yeah. Maybe. I think so. What? So if you had to, if you heard that talk, which you just heard, um, what? Yeah. What would you? What were the takeaways? Well, I think the big takeaway from that talk was, in order for us to be able to help people see Jesus. Uh huh. We have to be so connected to Jesus that his holiness shines through us. And, so that and people, holiness being? For her, her definition of holiness was this totally otherness, uh, the incapacity to describe yeah. uh, something, something so different, something so undescribable. Yeah. And she uses her illustration from heaven. You know, she had a couple of illustrations Holy, like the saying something is holy is almost a shock factor. Like I'm so overwhelmed by the right. presence of God. Right. Yeah, and it it was a. Uh, so there, there was a theme in the two talks, this one and that one, that and so most of what I'm hearing, I'm going like, wow, that was a very helpful way to say that, or and this is very interesting. Great stories, excellent speaker. Um. There was a moment where she talked about a post 9-11 being on a plane. With a, yes. Yeah. Very powerful story. Very powerful story. And then the story, so that there's a, she, post 9-11, everybody's afraid. Um, a Muslim woman sits next to her. Turns out this Muslim woman went to a fundamentalist Muslim school. Uh, she's young. She was, uh, she specialized in converting in Christians. Christians. Yes, that was her. And um, shared her you know, her points of Islam. And then, uh, and then Daniel Strickland felt that the spirit had led her to just tell her more, just 
about her encounter with Jesus. Yeah. Did that. And then the lady, the, her response was to say, do you want to see my face? And then showed her and uncovered her face and, and showed her her face. And she was this sweet, beautiful 16 year old. Um, and she, you know, Danielle Strickland called her holy. Um, and then the, the application of that was to strip off all of our, the, our burkas that are hiding the face of God. And she named a few nationalism structures. And so, yeah, what is that? Is that, how did that land with you? That that's the one where I I went I went hmm, okay like, well I think her point was that there was a dignity and a um, preciousness to this woman sure that was being hidden by the burqa of course yeah I got that too so that was what she was trying to communicate there and that um, and there was something divine about that like that she was using that as an illustration for you and I like when things are stripped away and God is revealed and we are revealed in a sense as image bearers in in our fullness, there's a holiness to that. And she caught a glimpse of that when she was looking at this woman. That's kind of what she was saying in my mind. But then she used that to jump off to the next springboard was to encourage us to begin to strip away the... Yeah, some institutional stuff. I mean, there was yeah, a lot that you know that was pretty things. contemporary to our current political yes. situation. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how everybody's going to hear that. Could you imagine like being in a room of a, you know thousands of people in Urbana sure. and some of the things you just said? Um, you were like, we're image bearers. You're seeing like these are things that I know, and you're knowing you and in your theology, you know how you would interpret that saying. Sure. But someone, you know, everyone in that room might interpret that saying differently. Sure. Like, what does it mean that you know, she was holy? Um, but, and that wasn't even, the part that stuck out to me was her, the thing that was like stripping off the burkas and all this stuff. So in the in the talk in Phoenix, it was about evangelism. Uh, it was the Alpha Conference. Right, so that would make sense. Yeah, and so she, um, there was, and, and I'm, I don't. I haven't watched this back on video. I just was kind of sitting there taking it in. But the one illustration that stood out to me again, very similar talk. Like the stories, shocking, um, insinuating one cuss word in the in like every. It was almost like a formula. Like one sort of shocking thing, something to show that she lived in a very poor area. Um. And somebody there that revealed to her something incredible. And here it was a, a, a lady who was in prostitution and what there was, they were afraid there was no hope and, and all of that. Um, but in that talk, she talked about how her son had, had been trying to learn how to ride his bike and had the training wheels down and she was trying to get him to try to ride without the training wheels. And he was right. scared and then he rode and then, he said, I get it. You know, the training wheels were holding me back. And, and she just said, so we need to lift up the training wheels of, and she went and listed a whole bunch of things. And she got very excited in that moment and said, you know, 
doctrine and structures and traditions and and everybody starts to clap and it's like you can go it was the same as this other talk where she got really hyped at that moment mm-hmm. of the stripping off the burqa and listed a bunch of things emphatically mm-hmm. and everybody clapped so that leads me to believe she she has a spiel yeah and this is her, this, yeah. and this is the climax of it sure. that she's trying to get across yeah. and and I and I sat I was sitting there at the alpha conference and I went that was subtle, but what are you talking about? Like, because there was, in both of these talks, there was nothing, there was no specific way that we would, there was no Christ, like how Christ makes me holy in this talk. Um, I think it was insinuated a little bit, but, and in that talk on evangelism, there was no, you know, here's how, like, a person um, you know, if you say you were, you know, if, if she were to say like the training wheels were your, all your best efforts to be accepted by God and others or some, I don't know, but she didn't define it and she didn't define what it would mean to lift them off. She just said, you know, doctrines and traditions. And so I kind of, I kind of looked her up and I was like, I don't even know who that was. So she was in the Salvation Army and she recently had to leave, um, and it wasn't ever spelled out, but she said there were structural um, things that were holding her back. So she left. And I was like, okay, this is a theme. This is a theme. You know, it's like, and this is, and, and, and all of the, there was stuff like she kind of boundary pushing. Like there was a, in Australia, there was a thing called the Sexpo where all the porn folks go to, sell product and gather together. And, you know, she made waves by going there and saying she had a great time and stuff like that. So I'm assuming she's a boundary pusher. And at some point somebody said to her, we don't think this is wise. And she had to, she felt compelled to do something else. Yeah. And in both of the talks, subtly there was a a sense in which it was, you've got to listen to the spirit as opposed to being constrained by the training wheels or the burqa. And so the spirit would lead you to do something different um, than other people were doing it or the old ways. And that's kind of where I was, I was hanging up on like that I mean, you got to be careful when you get into these waters. Like, when is a tradition or a, or the Bible or a truth, a doctrine, um, when can the Spirit override that? Well, and I, I would say that, I mean, I don't know her. And again, here we are. I know. This <laughs> is just blind breakfast conversation. Breakfast we didn't conversation. prep for this. I, didn't, I don't know a lot about her and, but I've been part of these movements, so I can I can talk about it some, and I can say that look, the pendulum always swings, I know. and um, you know, and to go back to to what Mark Driscoll used to say about the Reformed people, and and it, I think as Reformed people, as Calvinists that we are, 
And she's a, she's a stated Wesleyan Arminian yes. specific. Right. So that's on her But we tend to be sure. referees and not people who yeah. let the spirit blow a lot. And um, so, so this is where I wanted to get. Yeah. And I think uh, we get to referee and sometimes where our job is to like, and I'm not saying it's a job that I think is good all the time or that we even should be doing it, but we're the ones who seem to think we should be anchoring the church down. Um, and so actually I think reformed people are late on almost every movement. Yeah. Um, and so I tend to realize that their heroes like John Edwards was just as wacko as, as many of the people that they're now afraid and are refereeing. I mean, so, you know, or you look at Spurgeon. I mean, these guys, yeah, they had some good doctrinal stuff, but they're kind of crazy and they had crazy ideas and crazy thoughts about things. And, I mean, that's the church. Whitfield, Wesley, you know, Ludi. These guys are not normal people. They aren't. If you, had, if yeah, you go I, to, I don't, I don't know enough about their inner lives. I didn't. Well, no, I'm, I, it's hard. I, I, I read bits, right? I don't know. Well, read Luther, who started yeah. all of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had some, he was a, yeah, he was pretty tormented, depressed. Well, no, yeah. he just had, you know, he's pretty down to earth, pretty, you know, edgy in some of the ways he approached scripture yeah. and applied it. And well, that. and the edginess, though, for him was discovering the Greek text and what it said. Yeah, and his battles with Satan, which, you know, did he really battle with Satan? I mean, he thought he battled with Satan. Right. Yeah. So, like, when I think about this, yes, there's a big thing going on these days, of which my parents are in the middle of at some level, too, is that how you hear the Spirit of God, right. how you know the Spirit speaks to you. I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to her and and telling her in this example to talk to this woman. And just share her story and share who Jesus was and what Jesus had done in her life. Yeah, and that one and that piece that that statement actually didn't right. hit me weird. Um, it was there was that like the same spirit said that you know, but then it's like following the spirit leads you to strip off your burkas of X Y Z, and I'm going. What if what if everyone in this room? had a different idea of what the Burkas were. Sure, I and, agree. And so I, I think where I just get, and I'm, I'm sure I'm being a referee, um, but I actually, I'm quite thankful that some folks have refereed every once in a while. No, refereeing is not bad. Like, right. And so I'm, I wouldn't doubt that, but I'm, I'm going, I, is it the spirit when a thousand people walk out with a different idea of what the Burkas are? And what if what if one of those is like, you know what, I'm so daggone tired of where we say, you know, you have to believe in Christ to, like, experience eternal life with God. And if we could just shed that, then, you know, our evangelism and everything could be, we could open up the doors, we could bang on the dumpsters, was her, her last... Sure. You know, example, bang on the dumpsters and say you're all invited because she she'd done a wedding in a yeah in a very cool story very cool story and there's a guy in the dumpster who peeks out and says holy shart you know and and uh, and and she you know kind of was like that's what it's going to be like in heaven and maybe I well she's she's playing on Jesus' parables well yeah but 
But my, my point is like, she, then she says, just bang on the dumpsters and everyone's invited. And so somebody could walk away from that and, and say, everyone is invited to, to say, you know, you can receive Christ. Some people would walk away and go, yeah, like, that's what that means. Like I can, I, we can take Christ to anybody. Nobody's excluded. And then another person could walk away from that and say, yeah, like everybody's invited and it doesn't matter what they believe. Right. And, and I, I think you can make those arguments, but I think if I'm going to an alpha conference or I'm going to Urbana, like my assumption as a speaker is that I'm speaking to people who are looking to move forward in their walk with God, who are, they're not like going to Urbana to find out if they love Jesus or not. Yeah. But see, I heard Rob Bell in all those situations. And like I, well, and that's where, that's where I met him was in Christian let's conferences. About, let's talk about Rob Bell. I, yeah. I think Rob, I mean, he's going to be here at the Rialto. You're going to see him. I almost went to see him last year. I was thinking about going to see him. Right. I mean, Maybe there are the I mean, these live from, yeah, we could, the, the talks are online. There's a part yeah, of me that you can it's, hear it's a lot of money. Like, yeah, I'm like, see Rob Bell. well, here's I've, the thing. I've heard him. So he's a great speaker. He's Again, a great speaker. He's also started out as a good critic of Christianity in its present state. We need those kinds of people. I think Brian McLaren was that way too. I, I don't think these people have nothing to say because they, no, 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 they've no. approached doctrine in a certain way. Um, I, I wouldn't say that either, that they have nothing to say. But, like, is there is there a point where somebody... Disqualifies themselves? Like, exits Christianity. Like, like where the... Or, or where it's... It becomes evident that this person... And I'm not saying that's Daniel Strickland. I'm just saying I'm. it's so vague, I don't know. And that's what... Well, she's, a, she's trying to pump the crowd, too. Yeah, and that's all that's all sort of bothering. I think the whole even going to conferences is bothersome. I'm, I'm it's all I'm all I'm done with it all. <laughs> so that's none of that's helping. And I, I don't I don't know her. I'm not trying to say I but I'm saying that the vague the this the way that a thousand people can walk away and do a different thing with it was well, the same thing that would happen with Rob Bell's talks to me would be that I could walk away and go, Oh man, I love Christ crucified and somebody else could walk away and go, ah, I don't need Christ crucified. Thank goodness. Um, and which is in Rob Bell's case, exactly where it ended out. I where, well, where it is now. A different view of the atonement for sure. And, and love, and love wins. He certainly becomes uh, a, a universalist, but let's be careful because all Calvinists are a half step away from being universalists themselves. So it's not explain that. Oh goodness. That's like a, that's Calvinism a, and universalism are all pretty much the same thing. Cause the, basically all Universalists are saying is God chose everybody, and Calvinists are saying God chose some, and that's that's the only big difference when it comes to God's choosing. Is there an argument over who He chose and why He chose them? Um, but it, that's but it's a huge. Both, but both difference. believe that the person doesn't have a choice. Well, uh, every Calvinist would say the person absolutely freely makes a choice. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, they would. No. They I've I've read deeply, 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 and they would abs. They always say first cause, second cause. That you, every one of your choices by your will is made by you, but that it's determined mm. as well. No, they wouldn't. They would tell you that you couldn't have made the first cause choice without the Spirit making you alive to make that choice. 
They would agree, but they still wouldn't ascribe your choice to being outside of your free will. It's oh, I mean, no, anyway. you, yeah, they would because they don't believe you have free will. I, I mean, listen to Piper. Piper has a long talk on the fact that your will is not free. So does I mean, Legionnaires talks about this. All their talks are about your will is not free. You've never had a free will. It's a broken will. Therefore, you have no choice. Like unless you are made alive by the Holy Spirit, you can't make a choice for God. Therefore, your will is not free. Okay, so I. We could go down this rabbit well, trail. We there's, can. I, I don't. I think we have to be. There's, like, there's, there's. Yeah, you're not free in that you are like you're you're going your natural way, which is like you don't. You're not free to see God. You can't see, but you're still making choices out of your own volition. Yes, a uh-huh. broken volition that sure. has no capacity of choosing what is good. Sure. Therefore, it has no choice. But that's but that nuance. It's determinism. Yes, I understand how yeah. this all works. <laughs> I know you do. But that but that nuance is very important to say. It's just one step. Like I'm I'm studying um, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses right yes. now, and and every difference between Jehovah's Witnesses and any Christian is a very subtle subtle nuance. But it's but it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I guess. I mean, for their I mean, founder out in the boat somewhere. Yeah, but they've disavowed him. But yes. but they but I'm but I'm saying like but it, but yeah, to I say that just because something is subtle yes. isn't that it doesn't matter. Right? Isn't true. Well, I don't. I, I would say that there's a much more subtle difference between universalism and Calvinism than there is between Jehovah Witnesses. Debatable. I mean, I guess but, it's debatable, but in my mind, it's much different. Yeah. I mean, it, it go to, you know, just drop somebody like, take somebody from your church and sit them down and say, hey, real quick, you know, show me the profound difference between being a Jehovah's Witness and a Christian. All right. Most people don't know what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. It's subtle. Well, they only believe that 140,000 of them are, are going to rule. They believe in a total annihilation of all non-believers with Christians serving the rest. Like to us, we get to be the slaves. Yeah, that's how it, how the subtle reading of a thing works out. Sure. But the subtle reading of Calvinism versus Universalism works out very different ways, well, too. Because then you could... Universalism has its roots in Lutheranism. So, I mean, it's like, it's not... It's, no, I, I'm, I know they come from the same place. But I'm saying if you really work it out, Calvinism... And I'm, I'm not trying to argue for Calvinism right now. That's You just brought it up. I just put you on that but, side. But Calvinism, at the fun. end of the day, there's people that are <laughs> that are in heaven and in hell. And in Universalism, they're all in heaven. So right. that becomes a drastic that difference a drastic that difference. comes but from a subtlety. A choice. And all Calvinists will tell you that if God decides to choose all, they're fine with that. Well, who, well, who wouldn't be fine with that? Sure. I mean, who wouldn't? I want to be a universalist. That'd be great. I want to. I think I've told sure, you this so, before. So Rob Bell yeah, ended up to that'd be, be the best. a universalist, but he made some really good critiques on. Oh, on of course, the, he did on the Bible. I mean, and on the way we understand things, especially in absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm sure that uh, white supremacists could make a great critique of our current, um, you know, system. Yeah, like could make one, but might be very wrong in a, a number yeah, of other was, areas. It was an internal critique. Yeah. Right, I mean, and it was a valuable. I think you know, Velvet Elvis is still a book I'll recommend to people. I think it it points out some, some yeah. problems that we need to rethink in discipleship. Sure, yeah, I, I never, never, never will throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I'm not saying because 
I'm trying to get at the nuance of how, you know, so, so my discomfort here is that a thousand people walk away. But what about trusting the Holy Spirit with those thousand people? Ah, okay. Yes. Great. Wonderful. Why do you not just trust the Spirit of God? Because you, you go up, you study, and you, you don't have control over what everybody thinks. Of I mean, course. I've got 120 people in my church, and I'm not in control. I can't control it. But do, you, but do you try to teach what you believe to be true? Yes. Do you I, care? I do, and I suspect that she does, too. I, I think so. I think so does Robin. Yeah, Robert. I think she cares a lot, and I think she's she's actually trying to say some very... I think there's some things under what she's saying that she really wants to get across that she's not saying as strongly as she could because she's she doesn't want to alienate her audience. Right. But but maybe you want to talk about the Spirit of God. <laughs> that's what I was... And that's, how we might hear the Spirit of God. Yeah, because I know, I know you and I see this differently. We had a discussion where... So personally, I would say that the Spirit of God would not contradict the Spirit of God in the past. So I would say you could look in the scriptures, and though something might be done, you know, like, okay, today we have cell phones, so the Spirit of God in the past isn't going to talk about your cell phone, okay, obviously. But but that, like, the Spirit of God would not lead you in the past to say Christ alone, and today to say, any way leads to God right, because it's the same spirit. Yes. Not, but no, not everybody no. would agree with that. People, there are, there are folks, and you know, yeah. this who under the idea of the spirit of God would believe the spirit of God can turn us in any direction. How, how do you discern right. that this is the spirit of God and not just some like, so when somebody walks in and goes like, Hey, you know, God told me that I can marry, you know, Jamie over there. Do you just assume that's the fact? That's a fact because they said so. Right. Well. So how? What? Yeah. How does that work out? How does that work out? Well, in your mind. Well, so I don't know. If you, at my church, I have a lot of Crawfords. One that doesn't go to my church, but is the brother of many who do. His name's Stephen Crawford, and he's written a, a little ebook on the Holy Spirit. And one example he gives, and he would probably land more on your camp in mind completely um you know and he opens his book with this you know four college students in a car and they're going to do their little evangelism thing and they're sitting there praying and praying and one of them has a vision of a purple backpack yeah and so they're and they are all convinced that god has told them that they must find a kid with the purple backpack yeah. and tell them about jesus right and so they go and they search and they search and eventually because of you know probability they find <laughs> a guy with a so you're now not ascribing this to the spirit, right, right. the probability. He yeah. wants to listen. He listens. He doesn't give himself to Christ, but he's interested. And they're all excited that the spirit spoke to them. Sure. So the question becomes, did the spirit speak? Sure. Or did not the spirit speak? So then we have people like this lady who on a plane, hears the Holy Spirit, as she says it, say to her, you need to tell this person about yourself. Like, you need to tell them about right. me and you. Right. Now, was that the Holy Spirit? Was the purple backpack the Holy Spirit? Was the time I was praying and reading scripture and read the verse and felt like that verse was something I needed to hear, the Holy Spirit? Was, Does it matter what the verse means? Yes, or the context of that verse. Does um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven mean that God's will for you is that you prosper and, you know... Yeah. 
or does or did it mean a, a thing to Israelites who were being taken into Babylon only? Right. And did did the Holy Spirit tell you know let's say Jack that he should marry Jill? Right. I mean, is that really what happened? Yeah, and the, and I think our people wonder about that. Right. They do. So, what are your thoughts on? So, what are my thoughts on all those things? So, my answer to every single one of those questions is yes. The Holy Spirit did say those things, and no, the Holy Spirit did not say those things. That's very helpful, Eric. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, work that out. We have to work, and there is what living in community is. Right, and this, and I've, yeah, I foresaw that, and so how does that? So this is how I argue it, and this is where I come maybe a little differently than other people, is that I believe I get to the same place everyone else probably does where you're, and I get to where you're at just a little differently And that. I believe that the community is where the spirit of God is and where two or three of us are. There's the spirit and that the Bible is the authoritative community member. And so it always speaks as okay. the loud voice. So when I say Jack or Jill is, you know, wants like she feels inspired to marry Jack because she heard right. one night while she was praying that he's the man she should marry. And if her community, who's walked with her for a long time, says, "No, that's not what I, we don't think that's what the Holy Spirit is saying." Well, there's one place people are saying that's probably not what the Spirit of God is saying. But then every once in a while, you bump into where my wife, two sweet older ladies, wonderful women that she knew. One thought she should marry me. One thought she shouldn't. Right. So, you, so the community can can't always answer that. Can't question. always answer the question. So then, where do we go? Do we actually say all these different parts are not the spirit of God acting and not speaking, or do we look at Scripture and what does Scripture say? Well, Scripture nowhere says that Jack or Jill should get married at all. It doesn't give you clarity. It doesn't, doesn't tell you what you, color car to buy or if you should buy a car right. at all. No, it always points you to Jesus. Right, and so work that out. Right, so to working it out is my life. When I'm looking at, okay, let's just say for, the best way to do this is, let's say that I heard the Spirit of God tell me I was supposed to marry my wife, and I like wrote it down on the date. And, and then I end up with your wife's situation where there are two men in the community. One's like, yeah, like I think the Spirit of God's telling you to do it. And the other's like, nah, I don't think the Spirit of God's is telling you. Well, there are two routes I could take. I can go to Scripture, and Scripture calls me to be in submission to Jesus. And so, in being in submission to Jesus, if I should marry my wife or not, that's not the issue. Like, that's not what the Spirit of God, his primary conversation with me is. He may or may not be saying that, but his primary conversation is examining my motives and my heart and where I am with him and not worrying about if I should marry her or not. Yeah, and I'm and I'm so that's pretty one, for all of that. One path. Right. The other path, though, I think, and it's something that we don't do a lot, that we do at the village a lot, is that you have elders over you. Those elders are there to guide you. So if you believe that the Spirit of God has told you to marry somebody and you're getting confusing conversations from your community, you should submit to the elders, ask them to pray over this and say, no, we don't think this is the Spirit of God, or yes, we think it's the Spirit of God. And then submit. So, what is that? How does that work with the removing of training wheels and uh, burkas? 
wouldn't it be nice to cast off elders that said no to you? <laughs> wouldn't it be? Sure. Oh, gosh, right? Well, but I think there are some things spiritually about fear. So, right, we've not been given a spirit of fear. Agreed. And she's trying to address fear at some level. If we're going to go back to this is strictly. I, and I don't know her story. Right. I, I want to be really clear. Yeah. I don't have no, heard two talks. I yes. don't know. I don't know what happened. She might be a terrible person or maybe she was in an abusive you know, work environment. I right. have no idea. Well, fear, but so yes, or neither one of them. I do think that when I'm in a place like the Spirit of God be, is there to encourage me. I mean, we can, you know we can look at Gospel of John. It's there to, to challenge, to encourage, to comfort, to be my counselor. Well, that isn't like a a working out per se. Like I need to work out every single moment of my life. I got to go back to my community, back to my elders. There are many moments of life where I need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God as He's encouraged me to be Christ-like. And how I know the Spirit is speaking to me is that the actions I feel called to are actions that bring Jesus, which is love your neighbor as yourself, love God with everything. Like, which is interestingly, though, as you're saying that, I a way I would say things is that... Um, like everything you're saying is shaped by what's in the scriptures. Yes, always. Right. And and so but I I do see a tendency for there to be like a movement toward following the spirit that isn't as shaped by the scriptures as the way you're speaking right now. Right. Cuz so I would I would agree that when you're discerning is this is this something that God would will me to do by his spirit. Right. You know that there would be a certain like flavor to it that would be that you would recognize in the working of God in the scriptures and in Christ. Right. I would, that's a way that yeah. I would like if, yeah, if you're doing this because you're afraid, because you're anxious and Christ tells you be not anxious, you know, right. and he is saying that he is in control and that he loves you, right. you know, even if you happen to be martyred, right. you know, that would, so let's so so then the the movement out of the motivation of anxiety. So let's give let's give here's here's where I struggle, and we're actually people who are maybe more conservative about the Holy Spirit um, will push against me and okay. my understanding of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this will be where you're at. Um, so let's just say we're having this conversation right now, and then I get the sense from what I would say the Spirit of God that right now that you're just there's a really heavy weight on you, and that like some stuff is going on sure. with your your mom right right I, these are all things i'm making up i'm not i, I have no idea and the spirit's not telling me any you know? <laughs> but but a lot of people would say no 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 the holy spirit isn't telling you those things the holy spirit doesn't speak like that only the holy spirit is only going to remind you of scripture and, and he's spoken all the words that he's going to speak up to this point until the return of christ and so like and i think that that is as damaging spiritually for people as the opposite, which is to not have a scripture-soaked, scripture-discerning yeah. understanding of, of the Spirit of God. So those yeah. are, those and, are I, and I'm 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 un. Not, I was going to say unmoored. That's not the right, the right <laughs> phrase. <laughs> the Holy Spirit but is I'm, telling me that yeah, you are you have no more. That's what it is. <laughs> but I was I was uncomfortable in with saying in the denomination I worked in before that if I were to get ordained, I was un- uncomfortable saying that I didn't believe that the spirit spoke now that, that didn't, 
I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't ready to say that. Um, I also, though, have this, I'm like tempered on both sides because there's this other part of me that like, I want to be very careful to make sure that the words of the spirit are discerned in the scriptures and that we're not kind of willy nilly with it. Like, like, you know, we've got to get the spirit's guidance on, you know, which color of car to buy and, and that just because somebody has a strong feeling, I don't want to immediately assume that that is the spirit. I want there to be a discernment process. And sometimes I, and I come from the charismatic world. And so I've got, you know, I've seen some stuff, right. That concerned me in my, sure. in my life. Um, I mean, another, but, but I think that the way you're talking about this, like, I, I also am not ready to say that, you know, because you, you sense, you know, that somebody is burdened, that you have zero, you know, insight from God on that. I wouldn't say that either. Right. Well, and I, I think that, um, the hard part of all of this is that it's not cut and dry. And I, I right. think what's interesting about, like, say, the spiritual gifts is it's you have to work hard to preach, right? You don't just get up and stand and, and you have to practice your gift. And over time, you become, you've honed it. If you're somebody who helps people, that's your gift. You still have to practice in how to help. But all of a sudden, when it comes to hearing the Holy Spirit, voicing the Holy Spirit, you're not allowed to practice because you either have to have it right on or don't say anything. Don't, don't, you know, and there are, you know, discerning the spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, all those kinds of things that, you know, some Reformed people would say are dead. Um, But if they're not, you have to practice them. Like, and sometimes you're going to get them wrong. And then you got to like, go back and be like, okay, well, that's not how we should be doing that. So there, and there's an interesting, and I have read, um, you know, not too long ago, a, a book on like, the ceasing of the gifts because I wanted to understand that perspective. And in there, you know, the guy was kind of saying like in scripture, the spirit never misspoke. And so that's, that's kind of an interesting idea to be able to say, like I could try, you know, speaking in line with the spirit and maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, that's it. That is an interesting, if you're thinking biblically, like, does that, is that how that works, you know, or, or would the evidence that the spirit was speaking be in the fact that it was absolutely the case, you know? Right. But, you know, all that said, I had, we're getting laid in this, but I wanted to, I wanted to ask how you would think about it in these terms. Like, so I had a good long conversation at one point with a couple of Mormon guys that I got to know. And then, you know, they, they came to kind of witness to me and a friend of mine joined me who understood their faith well. And we kind of went back and forth and, um, and you could tell they were sort of struggling a little bit with some of the, the stuff that was brought up, you know, like having to do with their, their history and some contradictions within some of their scriptures. So the guys said they, they, weren't allowed to talk to us anymore. Yeah, that's usually how that happened. Because the church, the Mormon church was like, don't, don't go back. So I bumped into the guy at a sandwich shop like two days later. And I, and this, I will never forget this, this little interaction. Cause I just, I was like, Hey man, like I'm actually really bummed. We don't get to talk anymore. Like I enjoyed you guys. And, and he was like, well, sorry, you know, we're, 
you know, just not allowed to, to talk to you. And I was like, why? And he said, well, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, we need to talk to people that are receptive. I said, well, but are you receptive? You know, to say, like, what if you're wrong? And he looked at me and he was just like, look, man, I felt so strongly like I was doubting and they told me to take a book of Mormon right. and to ask if it was true of God. And I felt warm and that like the burning, the burning, yeah. you know, I felt it mm-hmm. and I've heard of this, but I'd never heard it from somebody's sure. mouth. And he was like, and it, it just has to be true. And I said, I was like, Oh man, it, the interesting thing I thought was because of my background, I went, shoot, some Christians are only operating on that too. Yes. And that to me is a problem. Like, what if the spirit you feel, like, what if you feel something so strongly and it's wrong? Isn't that possible? Like, couldn't the enemy? I mean, you guys engage with, you know, questions about the enemy that sure. are deep. People have deep, like they're hooked, right? Yeah. Like, and I mean, I, yeah. So, so I mean, are, there are followers of Jesus who are purely on experience. Well, but I guess I'm just saying like to kind of, I mean, well, how, do, how do we distinguish between the voice of the enemy and the voice of God? Right. And, and, yeah. That's a hard one. I mean, at some level. I mean, in a sense of right. But I, I also do believe, I mean, look, you have the Spirit of God in you who is working out your salvation. That's a promise you have. You have to, like, yeah, and then, and the Mormons have certain promises too. Right, I was going to say, those are, right, we're anchoring you, that in the Bible. Yes, but I'm anchoring in the Bible that I have this promise. And so, but I also think the Bible is relatively clear. I mean, I think you can make a strong enough argument for this, that the Spirit of God is not only just in you working at your salvation, but there are places and moments when the Spirit of God comes on you to do things. Sure. Um, and to give, and often when you can't, like when, when, yeah. when all hope is gone, or the words are just not in your brain, somehow they appear. That's the Spirit of God acting, and it's the Spirit of God speaking. Um, so, but would that ever misalign with, cause I think what's happening in the Mormon world is they've got a Bible over here that's saying one thing, yeah. but like that, when you're, when that you have nothing left and the spirit of God speaks the way you can discern it out, I would say, I, I do agree with you in the community. Cause I think the community might have, they're shaped by the scriptures too in the church. Yes. And some of them are seeing something you can't see right now, or they're remembering something you don't remember. And that's very helpful. Well, let's just talk theologically a little bit differently, because I, I think people hear this, people in the church. So I don't think you should say, oh, so in my community, um, I'm going to go to like five people, and I'm going to say, I heard the Spirit say this, and what do you think? Because you're going to get five different answers. You'll totally get five different But answers. I have never seen it when you sit down with five different people, and you open your Bible, and you bow your heads, and you say, you know... Eric heard this. Let's all listen together and, and read our scriptures together and pray and see if we can hear the Spirit. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, everybody hears the same thing. 
well, actually, I've never had it not be that way. And it's it's either yes, this was, or no, this wasn't, or you know, here is the passage of scripture that God wants you to, to think through, and it's not it doesn't have anything to do with what you're thinking. Right. You know, I mean, I, I think it's when because I believe in the church more than I believe in the individual in the church. Yeah. I believe the community gathered seeking God for an individual or for a community is how the spirit is affirmed or not affirmed. And, but it comes down, but when it's just like in a relationship with you and I, that example I give you is the one you have to work out more is if I'm sitting and talking to you and listening to you and I hear, however, I think I hear the spirit of God say, you know, ask Andy right now about his, you know, marriage right. because he's struggling. And I didn't know that. Right. I would say that's the Spirit of God. Now, I have heard an audible voice in my life outside of my body. Yeah. When I was 17 years old, I was laying in bed, or maybe I was 18, I graduated from high school, it was my freshman year of college, and this voice very loudly said, at 6 in the morning, Eric, get up and write this girl a letter. Yeah. And I wrote her a letter, and just telling her about my life, and asking how she was doing, and she wrote me a letter back and said, you know what, my... I'm just so, like, I've been so lonely, and your letter, like, has really helped reground me. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, I heard, like, that was very audible. Like, was that the Spirit of God? I don't think it was the Spirit of God. I don't think I need to go check with anybody to see if that was the Spirit of God. I just did what I was told. Yeah. Um, you know? Like Rod, who prays at our church, like no, he I, sees pictures in his head, and those pictures are true. Well, that's the Spirit of God. He doesn't have to go test it against the Bible. But they're not always extremely clear pictures. Right. Sometimes they are, but they resonate not mean, all the time with the people he prays over. I mean, do you think there ever would be a moment to check it to the Bible? Like, for him? I mean, I would I would think there might be. I mean, he's, but, he's described some of these to me, and they're, like, very encouraging, like, you know, that sure. God loves, yes. you know, loves me and Certainly. despite my struggles. And yeah, the, often there are words, and those are usually rooted in biblical things. But a lot of times he just has pictures, right. pictures of things in their life. Yeah. Well, that has to be, this, I mean, he didn't, you know, they're praying, he's in the body of Christ. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe he's got a different spirit, but I don't know how to discern that. <laughs> well, but would it would it lead somebody to to stop believing in Christ. I don't, I mean, I've no, never, you know, no. like, and, would there ever be a time, and I'm not saying that's come up with Rod, I know Rod, no. but would there be a time to go, you know, Rod, like, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Like, sure, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, but I mean, I, but that's when you're, and there's the thing, here's what your concern is. You think probably somebody like Strickland is fine if she's speaking to a gospel-soaked gospel-centered group of people who are well-grounded and are, can and take her exhortation because that's what it was and it was i listened to it and i thought yeah like god's holy and he's exciting and i want people to know how holy he is and i want them to experience the beauty of that and the, the, the ferocity right. of it i want that like i it wasn't i was encouraged right and i would expect that because you're coming for, like, from like you gospel-centered yes gospel-soaked place yes yes you're afraid that people are going to be led astray because of, or possibly. I'm not, I don't know that I would say I'm, like, afraid. I'm not, like, shaking in my boots. No, but, but, but you're it, concerned. I have concerns. Concerned. concerned that sure. that would be leading people astray. Um, and the way she uses her, maybe her wording and the way that she's talking. And, well, and, and the, yeah, the ways in which, 
applications are so wide open, I think. Um, and even the fact that I guess like, I'm kind of wondering from her journey, I'm going, do you listen to your community? Like, or yeah. are you always doing your thing, doing your own thing? Yeah. yeah. No, and there's, there's some concern there. But I mean, I don't know if you've seen this path, but I've seen this path in the Christian world. So you, you are not a follower of Jesus and you encounter some Pentecostal and you find Jesus and sure. you find an experience. Right. But after a while, like a year or two, like you are tired of it only being the experience. Right. And yeah. that gets old and it doesn't fulfill and it doesn't seem to take care of the addictions. Sure. So you go to a Baptist church where the gospel is really clearly laid out all right. the time for you. And, and you really kind of hone your thinking on evangelism and your morality. Like you begin to learn some behavioral things and you maybe get married or, and your life is, but then all of a sudden you like begin to think about, well, what's really underpinning all of this? And, and so you, you end up starting to, you introduce to, to reformed thinking and somehow you find yourself in a, in a Presbyterian community of some sort. Or sure. And, and you get really rooted in doctrine and you get very legalistic about life often. And you begin to feel superior and then get frustrated because you look around and you remember your Pentecostal beginnings and you think, we're not missionally engaged like they are, but I never want to go back there. Um, and so you become, you get really like frustrated because you don't want to leave your, your roots in your doctrine. At the same time, you don't know how to reach forward into the world anymore and actually offer something substantial, substantial to them in Jesus. because Sounds like you've experienced something here. I, I watched, no, this is not actually my story, but I've watched this over and over again. And then sometimes you move from that Calvinist place to an Orthodox or Catholic place because you are looking for something transcendent. <laughs> Right, I mean that's a that's a common path I've seen people who or are, they and they don't always move across the same. But yes, but that's a that's a path that happens. I, you see people, yeah, who are trying to find the flip side of the coin or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think in some ways it's not a bad thing, and that I do think you know people who don't know Jesus are usually come to Jesus because of experience of either his people or a divine experience of him. Right, you know, like I, plenty of people in my church tell me stories about drug and do you know induced highs where Jesus actually showed up and told them who he was, and they walked away from all of that because of right his you know showing up. And so I don't, know, I don't know where I'm going with all that. Well, I think we're going offline because it's been a, it's been a bit. So thanks for tuning in with us at uh, Faith Over Breakfast, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. All right, good. See you.